uh, what's up? We're going to continue this awesome, a little bit more casual weekly updates for from Eritrea and I uh, before the pods. I really liked last week's. It's like a real podcast. What do you know? We're a real show, Rob, with real people, real things. <laughs> real <laughs> feelings. Organized. Wow. Yeah. God, you know, you know what? I'm not super organized, but we're working on it. We're getting there, people. Is that uh, shade? <laughs> no, I shade it myself. I mean, it's just it's just radical honesty. You know, that's the that's the big uh, content creator term. Radical honesty, man. Like, oh Jesus, I'm, okay. I'm disorganized. Okay. <laughs> um, we're gonna talk about two things this week before we get into our incredible interview. The first is like what's going on diabetes wise with with us. Uh, me, I'm actually I've been experiencing, and you know this is a low key flex. Like I'm in better shape than I've been in, in in some time. I'm like working out. Shout out Type Zero, who's also sponsoring this episode, which is great. Um, but I really use their stuff. If and you know I would still use it if they weren't paying me. Shout out them, they're great. The other thing is though. I'm in shape now. And so I've used silhouette infusion sets. Shout out all my silhouette users. Uh, Y'all know, if if you know, you know, where it's like a long cannula and it goes in at an angle and like a 30 degree angle. And it can be pretty painful, but it's for, you know, generally build for people who are slim, muscular, and don't have as many like good places to put uh, infusion sets. And, you know, a lot of infusion sets go in straight down, like a 90 degree angle. And these go in at a very like flat angle and they're kind of long. Anyway, oh. I've used the, I've used them my whole pumping career and they're fine. Uh, you know, they they can be painful. They create a lot of scar tissue. Uh, so anyway, lately I've just been getting a lot of kinked, like occluded sites. And I hate that, <laughs> you know, and I think it's just like, I, I don't know about you about like what your mood gets like when you have a high blood sugar, but I think it's just like indicative of my whole personality is like when I'm, when I bump up against an obstacle that I can't move and the, like, I just get really pissed and I get kind of, I bow up at it and like, you know, attack the obstacle, which sometimes, you know, in that case leads to like a rage bolus or like I'll immediately change the site. And like the other day I changed, I, I felt like I had a kinked site. I could just, you know, it was one of those things where like, I didn't really eat that much. My blood sugar spiked for no reason. I was like, okay, here we are. Sure enough, pulled it out. It's like kinked. So I'm going to go through the process with Medtronic, not even on a sponsorship, uh, not even on a sponsored level, but like I'm going to go through because you can call the Medtronic 24-hour helpline and request samples of other sites if sites aren't working for you. So oh, I'm cool. going to try, I'm going to try one. I think it's called the SureT and it's a metal, uh, it's, it's like a steel cannula and uh -huh. it goes in straight, but it has like another anchor on it. So anyway, I'm going to try that because that's what, I've I, in the research I've been doing has been they, they say it is like the next level up from silhouette. So I'm going to try that to try to see if I can limit some of those occlusions. I guess I just learned something. So and I mean, so I, I, I don't think I've ever been like this crazy athlete like you are or just, you know, like fully muscular. But in the last year, I started working out and I am much more muscular than I'm used to, like just, you know, the amount of fat to muscle that I have has changed. And I've noticed that a lot of my infusion sets are also kinking. So is that maybe why do I need to switch? Oh my God. I had no idea. Like, I didn't know this yeah. could happen to you. Look at how weird is that? Like, I dead like this wasn't planned. This wasn't planned right? <laughs> yeah. I've been having the hardest time. I think last week I had th three kinked infusion sets with that. And within like a couple hours, like I couldn't get it to stick. And I literally last week was just talking to Huston about switching the shots because I was like, what if I just can't be a pumper anymore? Like, what if mm. I just don't have the real estate for it? That's what I call my side changes, real yep. estate. But um, 
Yeah, I just don't have the, like, I just can't get them to stick places. So now I guess I'm going to look into some steel infusion sets. I wonder if Tandem makes them. I'm going to call They do. I, I think they wrong. have, I think the interesting thing about infusion sets, I don't know how this works, but like, I think most of the pumps have the same, they even have the same names. So I think it's like the pump supplies are, are universal across, across the board in some cases. I think reservoirs are very different between Tandem and, and Medtronic, but I think the actual sets are, are mostly the same. Um, anyway, Ooh. don't quote me on that, but yeah, I think, no, I think no, no. like the end of it is uh, the ending, like where it goes in your body, uh, are, are pretty much ap applicable across all brands. So yeah, we're, I'm going to be trying that. I'm going to do like some videos on it as well, uh, on YouTube, cool. I think just to, you know, again, talking about those ins and outs of diabetes and like, you know, when your body changes or your life changes or whatever, you're, you know, whatever you're doing, different priorities, got to be able to adjust with it. I'm excited to watch the video so I can learn something. I'm serious. I had no idea, fam. Like I was over here tripping. So I'm excited to see you put out this content so maybe we could all learn something. Um, I honestly haven't even heard anybody else ever talk about it. Uh, so yeah. this is new information to me. I appreciate you sharing. Yeah, of course. You know, if I do it for, if I do it for you, uh, you know, we could do it for Shut everyone. Up. So <laughs> diabetes stuff about me, I guess I don't mind sharing. Um, so a few weeks ago, I went to the eye doctor, Rob knows, but I'll tell you guys our friends on the pod. And uh, so I'd gone in January, I'd got had to get a shot in my eye in January, uh, because of some inflammation that I was having. I went again to the doctor a few weeks ago, and my eye doctor told me that I had some diabetic retinopathy, and just some bleeding in the back of my eye. If you wear glasses or contacts, and you have diabetes, and you know that this is like, taking time bomb anxiety feeling that just kind of lives inside of you. Because um, you know, it's coming, but you just don't know when. So when he told me, I absolutely panicked. Like I absolutely was like, this is it. I am blind now. From now on, I will not be able to see. Even though he was like, Eritrea, you can see just fine. Please calm down. We got to figure this out. Long story short, I went to my eye specialist a few days later, still freaking out, still telling him that, you know, I was prepared to be blind. I think for like the three days before going, everywhere I'd go, I'd like take a mental snapshot and be like, I'm so mm. sorry, God. Like I was not thankful before, but now I am. So when I went to the eye doctor, um, the specialist, he was like, actually, this is just super simple. Very lucky. You're good diabetic. Like he even told me I was a good diabetic, which kind of made me feel weird. Like he said it to be nice to me, but I was just like, even if I was a bad diabetic, I wouldn't deserve this. You know what I mean? Nobody deserves yep. this. So then I thought it was going to be like a very long and extensive surgery. Um, he was like, do you have anything to do for the next hour? And I was like, well, I have to go to a work meeting. I think it was maybe a meeting with you. I don't know. <laughs> and he was like, just put it on speaker and mute it. We can do this in five minutes. And he seriously oh, wow. put a laser in my eye. And like, I couldn't see anything but green for five minutes, but it didn't hurt. He didn't numb my eyeball beforehand. It was super quick and it has really fixed my vision. So I'll go to your awesome. eye appointments. I got super lucky. You know, I just went in to get glasses and my doctor was like, Hey, you've got this going on. And I was like, okay, great. And we were able to nip it in the bud. So if you can, please make sure you're going to the eye doctor every year or every six months, because it is super important. I was so scared, dog. I was, your girl was tripping. Hey, you know, our greatest fear is lie in anticipation, right? You go like, that's what keeps us from going to the doctor Ooh. for a lot of things. Uh, we're going to be talking about that coming up soon. I had a great conversation with uh, the cool, great Carrie Lane on Instagram earlier this week. She has a colonoscopy this week. So uh, wishing her the best there. Uh, but we're going to talk about colon health because, you know, colonoscopy it's stigma one. is one of the reasons why my dad got colon cancer that was undiagnosed for a long time. So if, you know, don't miss those appointments, those are important things. And whether it's the eye doctor or colonoscopy or a mammogram or anything else, like go to the doctor, get yourself checked because you never know what would be there. And sometimes like in your case, it might be easier to fix than, than you think. 
Um, he absolutely said that too. He was like, you coming in and staying on top of it, like coming in in January immediately, coming in again, like to get checked, like it's it's really great that you did that. So that made me feel good. That was great. But other than that, I was just, you know, it's just scary. Diabetes complications. I think they're scary for everybody. Um, yeah, of course. And we don't talk about them that much, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, we're always kind of on the other side of like, you know, push beyond and, you know, do whatever you want as long as you take care of yourself. But, you know, complications are real and, you know, scar tissue is real and retinopathy I mean, But is even real. if this happened, we would still push beyond. I remember, yeah. I'm just going to tell them what you said to me. I told Rob that this was happening. Y'all know what this man said to me? He was like, you'd be even scarier with an eye patch. Girl, I... Yeah, you're <laughs> so like... I think uh... <laughs> Like that, what's that politician in Texas, uh, Dan Dan Crenshaw or something? He's like oh this my crazy God, lu- the Jewish lunatic, cowboy, the lunatic guy. You would be like the anti Dan Crenshaw with the eye patch. You'd be like his nemesis. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate our ability to always find the joke and the humor, but I mean, complications are real. So I'm glad that we are able to even push beyond. And there are so many people who have the complications and they push beyond. So yep, absolutely, big big shout out to T1D Dan. I definitely spent a lot of time on his site, just reading so much inspirational content that made me feel like even if this was happening to me, I'm I'm gonna be fine we need to get dan on the pod um For sure. he's an awesome podcaster just a cool cool giving kind man so we need to have him on um okay let's do that let's get him on the next few weeks that, that uk yeah, time change will be a little bit tough you know but... um i actually i'll be in london in november so i'm hoping to meet him and a few other t1d diabetics while i'm out how there, fun so. we'll have to make like an official yeah. meetup or something that'll be cool yeah maybe i'll just drop in come um oh, guys <laughs> So uh, you, you mentioned something earlier, uh, good diabetic, bad diabetic. And mm. I think that's a good place to talk. We were having this conversation that you ran into a woman in the mall yesterday uh, or this week or whenever who had diabetes and works uh, at American Eagle, which if some of you guys remember the American Eagle and Aerie campaigns of the last couple of years, showing girls with devices, showing girls with disabilities, really, really great shit. Um, and you told her about the podcast and she had never heard of it. And, and you were like kind of surprised by that because of how much time people spend on the internet. And I just was, I wanted to remind everybody of like, I remember 10 years, I didn't want to know anybody with diabetes 10 years in, I was, I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to, um, <laughs> sorry, I had to say goodbye. Um, I didn't want to think about my diagnosis. I didn't want to think about, you know, being treated differently because of my diabetes. I just wanted to live my life. And I think a lot of people are in that place. And specifically, you know, you think about something that you don't have a great relationship with, like diabetes potentially. And you're like, well, I don't want to be reminded of that all the time. I don't want to follow a bunch of people who are talking about diabetes, or I don't want to be actively involved in that. And that journey is different for everyone. For some people, like right off the bat, day one, they're ready to share. They're ready to embrace it. Some people like me, takes them a little while. Some people never come around. But I think what the yeah. important thing is, is like helping one person connect the dots. Like and say, hey, oh, well, what do you like to do? Maybe we have a podcast about that, you know, with someone who you could get something from. And, you know, hey, there's this community of people here. Opt in as you choose. You know, so uh, remember, it's everybody's journey is different. I'm sure there are people who would listen to the podcast and consume a lot of our content who have never made a single post about their diabetes before. And that's okay, too. That doesn't make you good or bad. There, there's no such thing as a good or bad diabetic. I've never seen that diagnosed in someone. <laughs> so uh, your your journey with diabetes is your journey. And I want you guys to you know feel empowered with that um, and advocate for yourself. I think, too, like we talked a lot about or we're talking a lot about advocacy and how it manifests differently. For some people, it's, you know, working on policy reform with their local, state, national governments. At the same time, advocating for yourself with your doctor in the way that they speak to you or the way that, you know, your your treatments or asking about things. 
you know, or just getting involved in the community. So, you know, that's, that's an interesting thing. All right. We're at time. I'm here. So we've excited. Got, yeah. We've got, I'm so we've excited got a, for this episode. Oh, <laughs> extremely, extremely cool guest. Um, and also like good friend of yours. So, uh, yes. Can I do the intro? Oh my gosh. Of course. Okay, let's so, do the intro. Okay. So bad bitch extraordinaire. Lena Kazi is going to be on our pod today. Um, I'm really excited for this interview. She is an amazing human being. Uh, she was born in Rwanda. So she's that, that East Africa love is already there with me. Um, we're really good friends. I'm excited for you guys to hear her story, her diagnosis, the things that she's done, the policies that she's created in the world. Um, she was Miss Rwanda in 2014. So, you know, my friend is gorgeous. And that's all I got to say inside and out. I'm lit. I'm ready. I'm excited as well. I'm really excited to dig into some of the advocacy as well as like international travel and, you know, just she's, she lives a, a dope life and I'm, you know, I love her, her content as well, since you introduced me to her. So after the sponsor read, please enjoy this interview with Lena Kazi. What's up guys. I got a very important announcement for you today. Not only is this episode sponsored by type zero health, but Type Zero is now our official fitness partner of Diabetics Doing Things. And that's exciting for me, because if you can hear, I'm actually mixing up some Type Zero NO booster in my shaker cup right now, because I'm about to go work out like I normally do late in the day. And what I want to tell you first about Type Zero is that for people with diabetes, you can get the boost and the pump you need to crush your workout without having to worry about spiking your blood sugar, because Type Zero's NO booster is clean. It's caffeine-free, it uses natural ingredients, no artificial flavors or colors, and it doesn't spike your blood sugar, but it gets you the pump you need. It also doesn't have caffeine, so I can have it later in the day, like I am right now. It's about 5.30. I've just gotten through my workday, and I'm about to go hit the gym. I use it when I play basketball, when I go on a run, when I hit the weight room, which I've been doing a lot lately, and I've been using it to help me shift into workout mode while I'm at home. I get that shaker cup going mix it up. I'm using the cherry limeade flavor right now. You got to check it out. Type0health.com for more information. If you use Type0health.com, use code Rob Howe. That's my name, Rob Howe, no spaces at checkout and you can get 20% off. Type0 is a T1D owned business and you know how I love T1D owned businesses. Check out episode 132 for my interview with the founder of Type0, John Jensen. You can hear his story there. Also, check out Type Zero's Clean Nitric Oxide Supplement. I've been taking it for a few weeks now, and it has really powered my recovery. Again, no caffeine, just beetroot, pine bark, arginine, and citrulline, which are natural ingredients. It helps me recover, which is a big part of how I implement my training these days. I've got to be able to recover. I take on a lot of mental, non-physical strain, and then with my workout schedule, it's hard for me to recover and bounce back. And this has really helped me. I even left a review on Amazon with a photo of my whoop strap where it shows month over month how my recovery increased after I introduced the clean nitric oxide supplement. So check that out. Again, typezerohealth.com, the official fitness partner of Diabetics Doing Things and use code Rob Howe for 20% off at checkout. All right, back to the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We're telling the amazing stories of people with diabetes from all over the world. Welcome to the show. Hi guys, it's me, Eritrea, and we've got a very special guest. My good friend and amazing human, Lena Kazi, is here. I'm so excited for this interview. Welcome, Lena. Hi, thank you guys. I'm so excited as well. I love you guys' podcast. You oh my guys, gosh, thank you. Yeah, no, you guys touch on so many different topics and just a variety of people, and I love it. It's great. We aim well, to represent. We're trying to tell, you know, like diverse stories. And we all, I think it's overstated sometimes in the diabetes community, at least like 
you know, diabetes has so many different faces and so many different experiences, but too often we just don't see all of those. So, uh, you know, I think today we're definitely going to get into your story and how unique it is. And, uh, yeah, I'm super excited to celebrate, you know, finding some cool and some good within a diabetes diagnosis in the face of, you know, trauma. And I I just love the way that people with diabetes kind of channel that into whatever it is that they do. Definitely. And I think also social media and just being able to connect with so many different people has definitely helped with that in the community that we've built. Like that's how Eritrea and I have met too. Yeah, absolutely. That's how I found you. I remember I was just literally looking, this is exactly what happened. Okay. I'm just gonna be honest. I was looking for bad bitches with diabetes. I was running around the internet and I was like, because we all are bad, but right. I didn't see any from my homeland. I didn't see any like Habasha. I didn't see any East African women. I was like, right. where are we in the diabetes right. representation if it's not just my light skin self? Right. So then when I found you, I was like, jackpot, jackpot. <laughs> so I was so excited to find someone that I could just yeah. like, not just vibe with because Lena and I really vibe. We're very similar in a lot of ways, yeah. but also just be able to have those conversations that you can't always have with everybody. So I'm so yeah. happy I found you. And yeah. you know, just for our listeners, what does that Google search look like for bad bitches with diabetes? Is that, is, that what you, is that what you put in the search bar? Okay. I hate you. <laughs> I think I was just searching the diabetes tag, like T1D looks like me. And I was like going through just looking and, honestly, through. Yeah. and looking for someone who looked like me or like a cousin of mine or like somebody who looked like they were a part of my family. So when I yeah. ran into you and you're just so very, very East African, I was just like, here she is. There she, that, that's who I needed. That's what I'm <laughs> right, right. For. Yeah. Coming through Allah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought the same thing too. I was like, yes, another East African. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love it. Well, uh, Lena, why don't you start kind of with, you know, a little bit of your East African heritage. I know you, uh, you moved to the U S as a young, as a young lady, uh, really a child. Uh, tell us yeah. a little bit about your background, where you're from and what it's like there. And, you know, and then we'll dive into our diabetes portion. Yeah, sure. So I moved to America when I was like three and a half, almost four. Um, I'm originally from Rwanda. So I was born in the midst of it, of the genocide against the Tutsi in 1994. Um, we fled. Uh, I was literally like born while we were trying to flee the country. So I didn't spend much time there as a kid. We um, were refugees moved all around East Africa until we were granted asylum in the United States. Um, And then once we moved over here, uh, I grew up in Miami. I lived in Dallas, uh, Frisco, and you guys, yeah. Oh, that's where my wife is from, what a a world. Yeah, so I I lived in Frisco for a little bit um, and then my family relocated back up here to DC. So I ended up going to university here and I've been working here as a professional ever since. Very cool. And, you know, I, I would say, you know, probably, you know, I remember when I learned about the genocide in Rwanda, it was through mass media, through Hotel Rwanda. Uh, it Everybody was like, watched you know, that movie in middle school, right? Is it middle right? school that made us watch it? I mean, I think I'm a, little, I'm a little bit older than you, but yeah, uh, it was a sometime sometime in like high school, right? So for me, and yeah, you know, Don Cheadle, uh, you mm-hmm. know, one of, the, one of the goats, obviously. But yeah. tell us a little bit about you know, your, you know, your heritage and, you know, what it's like to be Rwandan and like move to a different place, uh, you know, early in your life? Yeah. Um, so I love where I'm from. Um, I'm always putting my country on the map. Whenever people ask where I'm from, I'm always very proud to 
say where I'm from. Um, I Rwanda has came so far. Um, uh, I love my president, Paul Kagame. He's definitely completely changed the country around. Um, the economy is doing great. Um, it's one of the top tourist um, places to visit in Africa. And we have, uh, we're the number one country with the most women in parliament. So I'm really proud of, of the strides that Rwanda has made. Um, and growing up, it was always just interesting for me because I was a refugee. We know my family were, we were immigrants. Um, and so going to an American school and then coming back home, it's like African household. So my parents, you know, are speaking a different language and it's just a completely different world. I'm sure Atria, like you, you understand where I'm coming from. Um, and so I went back to Rwanda for the first time, you know, since I was a baby. I went back when I was 16. Um, so just seeing, you know, where my family grew up and um, going back to not just the city, but the villages and seeing kind of where all of the traumatic experiences that, um, you know, my family went through that was that was it was really life-changing for me to actually go back um as a teenager and seeing you know where my family is from it was very interesting so yeah I'm definitely proud of my country and I'm I'm, I'm so proud of where I come from my bloodline for sure and you're a proud Amer like a proud adult about Rwanda because so when we were talking, you told me that you actually were Miss Rwanda in 2014. So you yeah. are nationally a fine bad bitch. Everybody know you fine. The, the universe knows that you're right. fine. It's like on record. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I love asking me. Um, yeah, so I did Miss Rwanda USA in 2014. And um, while I did that, I was I was I was like so cool back then. It was so fun. Um, I spoke a lot on genocide awareness. Um, and then during that time, I also implemented a task force for um, women um, for prenatal and postnatal care. So that was inspired because of um, my mom and, and, and in the way that she had me and the way that she gave birth to me in 1994, um, I implemented that task force then. So yeah, that was a really fun time in my life for sure. You know, it's always, I think we've had a number of uh, women on this podcast who have been on stage in, in competitions representing their state. And if they're on the U.S. side or uh, we've had Miss America on the pod, uh, you know, Miss, uh, a woman competing in Miss Universe. Uh, and so, you know, now we've got Miss Rwanda. Uh, so, right. you know, what a cool, we're, we're just continuing to stack up, uh, you know, look at the people with diabetes representing right. uh, on the stage. Yeah, period. Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine, like, I remember the adrenaline because you know when your blood sugar is like when you're nervous and then like your blood sugar starts to tank so like being on stage and talking in front of all those people you're like just yeah gotta push through so yeah it was a really fun time for sure that's very cool and uh yeah i when i'm nervous and my adrenaline goes my blood sugar goes way up so just just another example of like diabetes is different for everybody right, exactly yeah yeah I really be keeping diabetes in my back pocket because when that happens to me, I always look at my pump like diabetes, you rotten bitch. I didn't ask you to be here. Nobody right. asked for your presence, like leave, disperse. But anyway, yeah. Uh, 
so you know anyway I, I, my brain went off on a tangent there for a second you mentioned something earlier about you know coming home in the u.s to uh you know a, an immigrant household or an east african household here in the u.s mm-hmm. how did that manifest itself you know you were diagnosed with t1d at age 10 how, how did that manifest itself during that diagnosis process and during the you know education process as well like learning about diabetes and, and having your family as part of that um it was interesting because my parents definitely tried to be as supportive as they could. Um, but the rest of my family, especially some of my family members who would come and visit, they would bring like gallons of aloe vera juice and be like, this is going to cure you. Just drink this. Let's test it. Don't take your insulin for like a few hours. Let's just test how I'm like, that. that's not going to do anything for me. Like, yes, health wise, it's great to drink aloe vera juice for sure but they just had this, that stigma that if I went on this strict diet and drink all these gallons from Rwanda of aloe vera juice, that would be cured. So it was very hard. I even had like a nurse like come and like speak to my family, like, no, this is it. Like she has to, she's on a strict regimen. She has to take insulin for life. That's how it's, it, it is. And I think it also brings up, you know, when you're, people are trying to help, you know, they're like, you know, I think especially with family, it's always so complicated because, you know, they're leading with love. And at the same time, like with, as we know, with diabetes, like we were just talking about diabetes, I didn't ask you to be here at my family interaction. You know, I didn't, I didn't ask for somebody to bring a gallon of aloe, aloe vera to try to cure me, you know, it's like, and you, you get it. And I'm like, Oh, what do I do? What do I do with this now? Do I just continue living my life? Um, But it also, I think, years of insulin stigma among, you know, people uh, hearing about type two diabetes and the sort of conversation of the good kind of diabetes or the bad kind of diabetes. And that, that entire narrative that's just sort of like manifested itself, I think by word of mouth over, you know, 50 plus years. And I think that, you know, it's really difficult in the type two population as well, where people really need insulin and there's a big stigma around it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's a huge and huge stigma um, for type two diabetics, because they, for them, it's like, they have all of this blame put on them. Like it's your fault, you know? Yeah. Um, and sometimes like, I'm not going to lie. A lot of it comes from the, the, the T1D community too. Big time, big and time. We, we all should definitely work on that because, you know, we're all suffering from the same, disorders the same within all communities though we tend to other people and so i think that you nobody ever wants to be a loser right nobody ever wants to be the 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 person at the bottom of the barrel so i don't know what it is about toxic positivity culture whatever toxic culture i want to talk about right now but it's specifically looking down on another type of diabetic because we are the superior diabetics which is bullshit like we all have diabetes and i think at the end of the day we all need insulin so and i think too it's like it's a little bit of fear and it's also a little bit of like distraction and trying to justify it like to ourselves first in a lot of ways. So for me, you know, when I see, and we've tried to be as vocal as we can about this issue of people with type one diabetes and the way that they explain it, not, you know, unnecessarily or, you know, unknowingly throwing people with type two under the bus when really they need to be lifted up and, and people need to be educated about them as well. And I think there is a way to do it, but 
the first, I, I think it starts maybe in the hospital. It maybe starts uh, with, you know, your first few experiences with diabetes where they say this is type one and here's how it's different from type two. And then we immediately just like diverge there and, and it becomes like a finger pointing. It's kind of like the Spider-Man meme where like everybody's pointing fingers at everybody else. Right. Yeah, maybe, but I just think that the, and we can have this conversation in a longer time, Rob, because I have a lot of ideas around this, but it's mostly like the ethos around the word diabetes. Like the the feeling around it of creating a bad guy like we've talked about before there has to be a person to blame there has to be somebody whose fault it is when really we all have diabetes and we just exist on the spectrum of diabetes in different realities right so i think that again conversation for another time but it's very apparent to me how that bleeds over into type 1 diabetes with our parents and their lack of information, especially in the immigrant community, yes. because in the immigrant community, there's this huge belief, which is true around food being able to cure you. There's this huge belief. I know for me growing up, specifically my mom, she made everything from scratch before I was diagnosed because American food has bad stuff in it, has preservatives in it. That's how you're going to get diabetes. That's how you're going to get cholesterol. Where, so where's, the lie? Type, where's the lie though? Right. So in our types of families, when we still get the disease, our parents are like, similar to your dad, not wanting to believe it. How can I fix it? How can I make my child better? That's why they bring the aloe vera juice, Lena. And it's not just the East Africans, the Mexicans be doing it too. So yeah, it's just, no. they, they just want to help, but they don't know how. They don't know how, yeah. It's the entire immigrant community, I feel like. Well, and I, and I think even for non-immigrants, like when we, when we try to understand things that are complex, it's easiest for humans to divide down the middle of good and bad. And like, you know, what, is, what, is, what can we accept? And what is the, and you know, if you can point at an enemy, uh, and we were talking about this last year during COVID, how difficult it was for people to fight and unite against an invisible thing that we don't know that much about. Uh, when it's something visible, and I think the most tangible examples, unfortunately for the US, uh, are not like 9-11, where there was like this tangible thing that happened and you could point at this group and the media pointed at this group as, you know, Al-Qaeda is the enemy and everyone was united against that. Um, it's different with disease because you it's hard to explain. It's much more complex and it's invisible for the most part. So, but as humans, uh, flawed as we are, we have to like make that dividing line of like, well, it's okay for me because I didn't cause this. Not like these people over here who did everything wrong. And I think that's just such an oversimplification and oversimplification is dangerous. But to bring it back to Lena, there is a thought, a school of thought within immigrant communities that trauma causes diabetes. And I know it's a thought like in the science world, but like me specifically a lot, I think we've talked about it before. We felt 9-11 was like the kickoff for my diabetes. So Lena can, can maybe tell me a little bit about, did your family have any idea or did they think maybe there was some trauma associated with the yeah. kickoff of your diabetes? Yeah, for sure. Like my mom definitely thinks this is just like a theory that we have of just course. from what we know and understand there's no one in our family who has it. So we believe that when she was pregnant with me because of all of the trauma she was experiencing, again, the post, um, the prenatal care, right? That's super important when um, a woman is bearing a child. So definitely that's something that she believes that caused um, my diabetes for sure. And then was just triggered in my early childhood. Yeah. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about like your exact diagnosis story? I know you've told me before, but I want everybody else to hear oh, it. Like yeah. I want to hear the all of it, the intricacies, your dad yelling at the doctor, all of it. <laughs> okay. So basically when I was 10, 
Okay, and it was crazy. I thought, okay, so I my I had lost my uncle in 2004, February 4th, I remember, and to cancer. And so a few months after that, I would say, so I was diagnosed a year later, exactly a year later, around January, February of 2005. So I remember towards the end of that year, I just started drastically losing weight. I was vomiting. I was like peeing every second, like asking the teacher, like, can I please go to the bathroom? And she would really just make me feel like, you're gonna go socialize. Like, why do you keep having to go to the bathroom? Like, no, I really have to use the bathroom. You know how it is, right? When your blood sugar is super high. And so- um, Never peed more in my life. (laughs) (laughs) So um, my, my dad was in the medical field. So he was like, okay, something's not right. So first we went to my primary care doctor and he was like, "Um, we don't have to run any blood tests now. It's just a stomach virus. And so he gave me some type of medication and I did feel better or at least decent enough from what I remember for maybe like two weeks. And then it started happening again. And we went to the primary care doctor and um, he was just like refusing to do blood work on me. It was weird. My dad went crazy um, on him in the office and then took me to the emergency room. And then from there they were like, my god like i think my blood sugar was like over 600 it was really bad um you know they were like oh you know you you this is like great that you came in because you could have fell into a coma and so i was in the icu for about a week or so um and i actually ran into my best friend at the time my childhood friend who also became a diabetic at the same time i did she had moved away and they wow. were like, oh, we're going to move you downstairs to the child, um, the children's like center. Um, and I was, there's another young girl who just got diagnosed. And so I was like, okay, well, that's nice. Like I'll have a friend, I guess. And I go downstairs. My dad's like pushing me in the wheelchair to go downstairs and they're taking me into the room. And it's my friend I haven't seen in over a year because she moved. And we were just screaming because (laughs) what is going on? So we stayed in the hospital for like four weeks together in the room. And so um, at first I was really scared because when I was in the hospital in the beginning, and so my parents would alternate to like stay with me when they were trying to figure out what was going on. Um, And then once I was with her, like I felt comfortable. We both felt comfortable like staying overnight without our parents and it was fun. Like we, we made it better for us, uh, uh, you know, given the circumstances. How does that like looking back? I mean, that, Hey, that's, I think the craziest story of, of diabetes friends that I've ever heard, uh, you know, yeah. no, being best friends before you have diabetes and then being diagnosed at the same time. I don't know, just my mind kind of exploded, but what was that like for you guys spending like four weeks in the hospital is a long time. Yeah, You're spending it with each, with each other. You're learning together, normalizing it together. Did that help? Yeah, it definitely helped. And I remember <clears throat> at first I didn't understand what, because at first they were trying to make sure I had diabetes, right? So they were doing a bunch of tests and so on. And so I vividly like remember when they were teaching me how to inject myself and like my dad was like sitting on one side of the bed and then the nurse was on the other side and I like looked up like am I gonna have to do this every single day forever 
And I, they just looked so heartbroken and they were like, yes. And this was back when it was just um, MDI, finger pricking, like it wasn't, you know, no one really used pumps yet. So um, I was just, just so taken aback. Like, I don't understand how I'm supposed to do this multiple times a day forever. It was, it was as a kid, it was just weird just realizing that. Um, and yes, having my friend there definitely helped um, just because we were able to go through the same, um, the same experience together and kind of just lean on each other for sure. Hmm. I, you know, when you said inject every day, test every day forever, it just hit, it just hit different today for me. I don't know. I was just like, yeah. That, I've been thinking about that for a while. One of the girls that we had take over our, um, our account, Brookie, shout out Brookie and her mom, Crystal. Brookie is four and she recently asked her mom that. And when her, her mom texted me, like my personal number was like, Eritrea, what do I do? And I just burst into tears because like this thought oh, that like oh. as a baby, like as a baby, yeah. you're asking, hey, like, why is God doing this to me? Like, why is this happening to me? Like, when do I get my break? Because like, imagine like, oh man. So yeah. it's just like, it, we have the same disease and still our heart is breaking for you, Lena. Like, yeah. it's so wild. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Like imagine, and I see little kids whenever I read stories online, like two, three-year-olds and they have it down. And it's so inspiring. It's so inspiring, but I definitely like vividly remember being so confused. Genuinely, I was like, huh? I was so confused. Like, how is this even? Cause you know, sometimes when you talk to people and they're like, I couldn't do that. I'm like, well, you would have to, if you want to live, you know, right. like. <laughs> why are you yeah. lying girl you know you would tell do it. tell that again and again like well like bro i don't want to do this I don't, I don't have a choice right, it's like I have, right. <laughs> you know that uh tiktok sounds like and you would do it too for a check i hear that in my head was like and you would do it too to be alive like right. shut up <laughs> and i do it again right, right. right. <laughs> yeah well and you know like this is a good transition i think like you know you're talking about tiktok talking about sharing talking about you know talking about diabetes you know, forever and ever. You're not just a person with diabetes. You are, you are an influencer with diabetes. And also, uh, you know, I'm quoting Eritrea here, a bad bitch with diabetes. Uh, and, you know, really, you know, putting on for like living your best life uh, yeah. with diabetes. And, you know, what was that journey like for you? And, you know, uh, what do you, what kind of questions uh, do you get in the DM wait, from people with wait, diabetes? Wait, 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 not yet. I want to know how the account blew up, first of all, because I'm trying to get on that level. How much booty cheek do I got to show? Oh my gosh, you are so funny. <laughs> well, I mean, like, let's be honest, uh, like, Eritrea, Miss Rwanda's not, Miss Rwanda's not on your resume, you know what I mean? Like, so there you go. I don't know. <laughs> um, the influencer thing, I just feel like I'm, um, well, first, it started blowing up I in like 2014 to 2016. I was doing a lot of work surrounding um, like Miss Rwanda USA and stuff like that. I have a lot of people that follow me from my country who just love to see and everywhere just in general. Um, and I just be, I'm myself. So like, I, I love to talk about diabetes but it's not just about diabetes. I love to look good. You know what I'm saying? Like, and as I you thought, should, right. As you should. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just myself. I love to travel. Um, and I feel like you can find your, I'm like multifaceted. You can see that when you go on my Instagram page, it's not just one, um, dimensional is just 
that. I'm just myself, really. And so um, definitely a combination of the pictures, the diabetes, like the traveling. People are like, oh, how, how are you able to be? Because there are diabetics who, because, you know, it's, we get depressed, you know, like diabetics, we go through so many different ranges of emotions every day. So there are diabetics who wonder like, how are you able to do this? How are you able to, when you travel, how do you travel? Um, right. Just, you know, I get so many different types of questions like that. So, well, I think it's important too. be like people with diabetes sometimes get bad information or they start believing things like, or they, they, set things early in their relationship with diabetes, maybe when they're kids, like, oh, well, I'm never going to be able to do X, Y, Z. And it becomes truth, like uh, the self-fulfilled prophecy in, in many right. ways. Yeah, so it's exactly. so important to see somebody like you, like traveling or living their best life or whatever it is that you do, doing the things, diabetics doing things, you know, it doesn't, that's exactly. not mutually exclusive. Like there are all types of different things, no matter what you're interested in. I think that there's somebody with diabetes who you can connect with in that way. And that's, that's why I like your account as well. It's great. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you. For sure. I do want to know about the DMs though. So I think Rob was starting to ask before I very rudely cut him off. Go ahead, Rob. I'm so sorry. I was like, well, I, I, she answered my question for the most part. I think you're asking like when, when you post like some of the, when you post a little <laughs> thirst trap, like, are there like people with diabetes sliding in the DMs? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Hey, wait, wait, what do those diabetes pickup lines look like? Are they like mm. the Nick Jonas ones when they're like, sugar, slow down my blood sugar, blah, blah, blah. Or like, is it like, damn, you got so much sugar, girl. Like, <laughs> what? Tell me what the, tell me what the DMs look like, Lena. I'm trying to experience it through you as not a baddie. I don't be getting them kinds of messages. So I want to know. Yeah, the, the DMs are all over the place. To be. <laughs> um, I would say the latter though, like, it's so funny, like people will really try to use like that because they see the diabetes, right? Like there's like those people who will try to use that. I'm like, uh-uh, don't buy. <laughs> After it's like the first question about diabetes and then it's you want to know this, this and that. I'm like, okay, conversation over. We have nothing else to talk about. Shut <laughs> <laughs> it down. Yeah, so. Yeah, all- you know, when you open yourself up to people on the internet, you, uh, you, you, know, you never know what'll come back sometimes. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So you got to have boundaries for sure. But would you say that like with your account blowing up, that's really what inspired you? Because as we, and this is another perfect transition. Look at me learning from Rob finally. <laughs> inspired you a little bit about your uh, your clothing brand. Because first of all, I'm lit for my package, girl. Oh yeah, I got you for sure. I know, I'm lit for my package. But tell us all about Kazi, please. Yeah, so I, I've always wanted to, to start a brand. I didn't know exactly like my particular niche that I wanted to, um, that I wanted to focus on. And so I remember sitting with my friend and she was like, I think I was, I was actually doing another podcast interview. Um, and we were staying at a hotel. She was with me and she was going through my things just cause she likes to look at my clothes sometimes. I don't know what it was, but she started pulling out all of these robes because I love robes and kimonos. And I was, I had my laptop and I was actually like just brainstorming ideas about my brand. And she was like, why don't you focus on kimonos and robes? And I was like, see, that's why you need good friends because I was like, that's it. And it was like light bulbs in my head. And so um, I first started with the name shop finding which 
was nice at the time, but it, it didn't really align with the vision that I had for my brand. And so I changed it to Kazi by Lina. So Kazi is the suffix in Kenya Rwanda, um, which is the native language in Rwanda um, for feminism and womanhood. And so I just kind of am rebranding now to that. So super excited about that. Um, it's Kazi by Lina. That's the name on all social media platforms. Tell me all about your robes. Tell me about like, are they like for the everyday occasion? Like what, like why, why am I gonna buy a robe girl? Cause they're so, first of all, when you walk down the street in one of my robes, like people are just like, what is she wearing? Where is that from? I'm telling you everyone asks where it's from. You can't find it anywhere. It's true. Yes, they're beautiful. Um, I designed them. Um, I it took me so long to even come down to like the perfect material that I I wanted, um, and it's just quality, high quality comfort, and you can wear it indoors as well. You can you can also dress it up however you want. I'm um, so excited to get mine. Yeah, yeah, I'm so jealous. Like you guys, you guys should all be very jealous of me. I'm getting a customized package for myself to have robes, yeah. and I'm excited. And she's gonna show it off. Yeah, on Instagram. So it, so it, watch the stories y'all gonna see me in some kazi but anyway <laughs> um so yeah that's my baby my first baby and um i'm really excited to see the journey that that it's that kazi is gonna take me on for sure well i'm excited to see eritrea gas you up uh on social <laughs> with your with your robe so kazi by lena get ready get ready because uh eritrea is gonna be st- strutting around in her kazi this summer <laughs> right so. light skin assassin in the robes <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> So uh, I want to talk a little bit, about, uh, you know, about advocacy. And I think, you know, obviously with your position as Miss Rwanda, you know, you already talked about the prenatal and postnatal care uh, and, and advocating for care for women in Rwanda. And, you know, you mentioned your mom, uh, but you also a few years ago uh, went with uh, a, went to a T1 International or Insulin for All protest. Mm-hmm at uh, Eli Lilly headquarters in Indianapolis. So talk a little bit about your your journey with Insulin for All and also like, uh, you know, affording medicine and, and treatment here in the US. Yeah, sure. So I really advocate um, on Insulin for All because first of all, I've been in a position where um, I struggled with obtaining insulin. And I think at that point, that was when I realized the um, the issue with insulin affordability in this country, especially when traveling to different countries because um, pre-COVID, I traveled a lot um, overseas and it's just astonishing to me to see the differences in insulin prices here. And let's say in Rwanda or in Spain, um, because I've been to Spain a few times and my best friend lives over there and the insulin crisis here for me started when I, you know, when I, at a time where I did not have insurance and my mom and I, we went to the pharmacy and I forgot what the price was. It was definitely like over 1300 for a 30 day supply. And so we, I'm just looking up at my mom, like what, I don't, I don't understand like what, we're gonna do. Um, so thankfully, I was able to get insulin, um, and you know, I was able to to get insurance again. 
um, shortly thereafter. But that's kind of what sparked my um, interest in advocating for insulin um, for people here in this country. And so I did some work with T1 International. Um, and so I, I, I don't do as much work with them now, um, just kind of take, take, took a step back from the um, co-leader uh, position that I had with their organization. And so now I kind of just do advocacy through my own page and just speak on the issue as much as I can. What was it like being uh, being like in person at uh, at that protest with with all the other folks that were there? It was really heartbreaking um, because there was so many parents who lost um, their kids to rationing um, for insulin. And I don't know if you guys have ever been in that position, but it's really it's really tough. And so it was really heartbreaking to see that. to see that actually in person and to actually hear all of their stories and talk to um, to all of the parents there. The amount of people who ration their insulin in America is crazy. I absolutely have been in that position. There was a time where I used to have to like line up with the homeless people at Parkland to get my insulin and it is wild. So, I mean, the fact that we have so many homeless in Dallas with diabetes. So it's just, I can only imagine the feelings of being in a space like that. So I'm so thankful to you for sharing. Yeah, the amount of like unhoused people here, I mean, like one in four people in the U.S. like ration their insulin is the, is the stat, right? So that I think crosses over socioeconomic lines, like race, age, all the all of those things. And you yeah. know, even even me, like uh, starting my business, I had to ration. In, I had like a six month supply, I stacked it all up, and said, "All right, well, this is the amount of insulin I have to eat. I'm going to eat as low carb as I can to not lose it." And, you know, those types of things are preventing people with diabetes from doing what, what they want to do. And, and mo- most importantly, from like just being able to live their life. W- right, with- exactly. Like imagine like the amount of people with diabetes who want to become full-time, full-time entrepreneurs, you know, well, how can you, how can you do that if you don't have health insurance? And- Not even entrepreneurs, doctors, lawyers, like even... <laughs> Right. Any kind of professional field, like it requires money. And if you can't afford the medication, you need to be alive. Like, how do you do that? Yeah. And I think it's, it's really important for podcasts like this and just all of the um, discussion and conversations we have surrounding insulin for all, because that's the only way it's really like the grassroots workers, the the, um, advocates that, are the ones making a difference. Sure. Yeah, yeah, and I think like we're as we continue to have the conversations of like advocacy looks different for everybody depending on where they are in their journey. So it's like sometimes you got to advocate for yourself at your job. Sometimes you got to advocate for yourself with your doctor. Sometimes you need to write your congressman and advocate for other people for insulin affordability. Like or all even those... within your family, it's like with yeah. the aloe vera juice. So exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's not aloe... levels. It's not aloe vera for all, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get out. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I just, I think it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where it's such a weird position to be as well. Like, you know, influencer culture is so much of flexing, you know, and like showing where you are and like showing this, like, you know, this perfect, you know, ideal life. And I think for a lot of people, the authenticity is what sets them apart, but it's a tough line to walk in diabetes, you know, it's because not everybody, you know, at the baseline level, not everybody has, can afford the medicine that they need to survive. And we talked about it earlier. This is not going away. We are, you know, we're going to have to afford this insulin for life. So, you know, it's not just one vial one time. 
it's multiple vials a month forever. So yeah. that, that is, that is the financial, that's the real financial burden of diabetes. It's not the one-time cost. It's every week, every month for the rest of your life. Every day. You know how many Rolls Royces I bought with this diabetes? How many <laughs> Rolls Royces I have purchased? Sorry. <laughs> no, for real facts. That's so true. That's yeah. maybe one Rolls Royce. Those are pretty expensive. My, my diabetes would be in a Birkin bag if I didn't have to buy all this shit all the time. Might as well be multiple. I mean, during the span of a lifetime, it's multiple Rolls Royces, to be honest, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, and you don't think about that when you're, when you're 10 years old, your parents can't know that, oh no, my, my career, my child's career choices are going to be impacted by this. My child's travel opportunity is going to be impacted by this. My child's dreams are going to be impacted by this. No matter what we say, no matter how we try to live beyond, no matter how much we try to continue to do things, there's that baseline level of care that needs to be provided for people with diabetes. Because like we talked about at the beginning, nobody did anything. Nobody chose to have diabetes. Right. No one chose anything. Exactly. Yeah. And as a kid, like I didn't, obviously I was a child, so, you know, I didn't have to worry about that. I really just worried about, oh, I have to inject myself. Oh, like playing with my friends. Like I have to make sure my blood sugars are okay. It wasn't, so now as an adult, it's also the financial burden. Well, we are so grateful to be able to connect with you, like such a well-rounded, such a cool person from, you know, multiple different angles. And obviously like just a, a cool friend, uh, you know, for all of us to, to connect with and want to be like in many ways. And right. I'm so excited for your takeover. Uh, yes, I'm I, so excited for that too. I know Eritrea is going to gas you up on the promos. Like, <laughs> uh, so, uh, and which I'm super stoked about. And, yeah. you know, we all should have hype, a hype woman, hype man like Eritrea to just keep that gas. I've been gassing a lot of people. The only person I don't gas is Rob. That's why he's sitting here like, because I, I do not gas him at all. Hey, but my <laughs> gas tank is on, uh, is on F all the time. F. Erica got that. So anyway, what I'm saying is, Lita, thank you so much. I know I have like one laugh because I really, as Black women in America, as immigrants, as diabetics, I feel like the expectation is on us to work not just twice as hard, but three times as hard. Yeah. And as a person who is so accomplished, because to me, you're such an accomplished human being. What is your advice to other girls who might look like you or be like you or be coming from a background like yours to really still push those boundaries, to still try to accomplish, to do amazing things like you have? I always just say just to be confident, even if you may not feel confident, just act the part, honestly, because it's gonna just put you so, it's gonna just put you ahead um, in so many different ways. It's just being confident in who you are and just being who you are. Like for me, I am who I am. I don't try to make it seem like, oh, I'm not gonna show off. No, like this is who you, this is who you're gonna get, you know? Um, so I just say, be confident, take up the spaces. That's the only way, especially as black women, we are not only black immigrants, we have a disability also. You know what I mean? And just show up for yourself because if you don't, then nobody else will. Wow. Real talk. Powerful. Yeah. I made good decision. This is my friend. Anyway, sorry, I'm too happy. <laughs> yeah, Lena, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Uh, we're excited to be connected with you and excited to follow you on what you're going to do next as well. So um, drop your, we're going to put all of your stuff in the show notes. We're going to tag you on social media. Uh, any other place that- that people want to, if you want people to reach out where they can find you? Yeah. So, um, my, first of all, follow my brand. It's Kazi by Lena. Um, 
And my personal Instagram and Twitter is Lena Kazi with three I's at the end. So Lena, K-A-Z-I-I-I. -I -I. Perfect. And Our, we'll ta tag you in the show easy notes. Enough. Yes. Easy enough. Um, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank you, Eritrea. Um, I really appreciate you. Such a dope individual. Um, love her. Just so raw and real. And I, and I really love that about you. So thank you. And then the Spider-Man meme. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you, Rob. I appreciate you as well for having me on your podcast.